gosh, man. It's been a trip for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, found out that I've been... I accidentally missed an email from this old studio that I was working for for a little while back in, uh, I want to say, gosh, last June, about a year ago. Oh, damn. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, my ex-girlfriend had got me a job there, and uh, I was doing some animation for them. The animation's called Burning Rubber. It's now on HBO Max. Um, apparently, it's been doing really well, and uh, they want to hire me back. Um, to work for them again, and I missed that email from a week ago. <laughs> I just, I read it like 10 minutes ago, and I'm like, oh shit, let me reply to this. Yeah, I want to work more. And I've been uh, fighting with myself over the last two days because uh, uh, my current main job is just like a part-time job, and I'm trying to turn it into a full-time job, but it's kind of a struggle there, uh, despite my my assistant-ness being needed um so i've been looking like other ways to try and make money um i started a fiverr listing to make like manga pages for people and stuff like that um i saw other people doing things like just giving personal services for like script writing Mm -hmm. and whatnot so like all all things that i do normally for free i can just list on fiverr for money and then make start making money that way help uh kind of keep the lights on around here and then um what else oh uh before like Mm -hmm. when we talked last week i forgot to bring this up um because we were supposed to touch base but i did that uh sakon work um that animation direction yeah i did that um it was super super nerve-wracking um but luckily i had a couple so i i haven't worked on like a ton of different things where a sakon was available so wow i have like just a small handful of corrections that could reference for this job and so i had to go hunting online for various things and uh look up the definition uh luckily that kind of stuff is like available now it's public information thanks to the tonari animation team uh that i used to work for and uh so yeah it was like a lot of self-research a lot of self-training to try and figure out how this job is supposed to be done and uh apparently i did it really well so so i was very excited about that uh, what else happened this week? Um, yeah. Uh, to interject real quick, I am in a Discord that's uh, oh, yeah? centered around uh, commissioners. So I can just invite you to that later and you can post like a little blurb or whatever. Because there's like okay. a little spot for like deals and steals. And I did bring a couple buds in there. And they did get a couple commissions from some people. Because it's a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of individuals getting mm. more artwork for their quote-unquote OCs. So it's always... Nice to be like, oh, you want to, I can make a couple bucks here and there from this chat if need okay. be. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into that. Um, right now I'm just kind of like building out my plan and seeing what my my work available uh, availability is going to look like for the foreseeable future. But I should be good. Yeah, for yeah. It. yeah. Figured, I'd figure I'd send a homie uh, <laughs> an extra bone or two. You know, you can, can never not uh can never not have your uh, enough options. I mean, admittedly, sometimes having way too many options may be an issue, but hey, when you're starting off, it's not that bad to have, you know, various different places to get oh, your yeah. income from, especially as an artist. And it is specifically, that chat is specifically designed for people to go in, find artists that they want to commission, and then get their commission, you know, done by that artist. Because, oh, I have a budget of yada yada, and 
I want you to draw my character. She's this, she's that. Obviously, mostly a female mm-hmm. cast, but there are a couple males in there. Yeah, I've been wanting so. to get back into like uh, Nazi for work stuff. I've been looking at some of my old comic stuff for that, and the pages and uh, designs are really, really good. I really like them, but I never finished them because uh, various reasons, but I've been kind of wanting to get back into that, and I know those types of people pay a lot of money. So, I think there was a meme that I found where it was... The artist is, you know, it's a four coma. So one is, I need you to draw my art or uh, my dragon banging a mountain. It's like I'm not doing that. It's like here's six hundred dollars. All right, how big do you how big do you want the mountain to be? Massive. <laughs> and then they, uh, someone actually drew the mountain, the yes. dragon, just like humping a mountain. <laughs> so, so dumb. I love it. It's it's true too. I've had oh, that man. that way. You know. Oh, I could <laughs> can only imagine some of the more. Uh, interesting uh descriptions people have said for a commission oh man because i because i've seen the outcome for some of them too now that i'm in a lot of these chats i've seen the outcome of like oh here's the you know essay that i've seen that someone sent and i realized wait is this a single commission or are you trying to overload one image because this looks like a freaking this looks like an alan moore comic book script more than the description for what you want for a single oh, yeah. image I get, like i get okay so i've had commissions in the past where i'll ask for details on a particular mm-hmm. character like they just want their character drawn in a specific way or something like that i'll ask for details and they'll send me their in the character's right. entire backlog of lore um a bunch of reference images for both the character and other prevalent characters in the story it's like just like an entire pitch deck that they're sending to me but it's completely disjointed and unorganized and most of the time not very good because the you know the classic story of oh my character is a reflection of my inner self who's depressed and has untapped potential and uh sometimes even a demon form or death related powers like and I was like, okay, so this is item number 543 of exact same type of character, but slightly different design. He's got long hair. It's spiky. Yeah. Or it's a female. A lot of times it's a female. Sometimes, though, I do get like really good ones. Like uh, one of my buddies, uh, Will, he had um, a character who was like a um, it's from a comic he was doing where the character was like a, a kickboxer. Um, or something like that. They were competing in some sort of like mm-hmm. fighting tournament. Um, yeah. And the character itself was pretty interesting. I don't remember a whole lot about them, uh, which is unfortunate, uh, just because I haven't read the comic in a couple of years. And it was very short and ended up left unfinished. He uh, got involved in the manga community and started making this thing about uh, poker called uh, Dari Draws Dead. And it's like a... Um, like a kaiji thing but it's on space or like in space and centered mm-hmm. around poker um like poker is the main game um and that's mainly because he he lives right. in china and he's been playing poker every day with a bunch of his uh co-workers and stuff like that so oh that's interesting oh yeah yeah so he and like he's really into it he started making this like low poly 3d animation uh in blender because he's been really getting into that and he's been doing really good like um a lot of the stuff he's been sending to me kind of looks like a classic PS1 graphics, but like professional level. So I'm like, holy shit. And he only just got into this stuff like a year ago, like half a year ago. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's how you know someone's actually trying. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like seeing 
huge improvements over the I mean, uh, not to discredit people that are trying to get into something and doing it as much as they can. It's just sometimes you have people that are just more uh, proficient at a certain skill. But that's the thing that I see a lot where you have so many people throwing around talented and uh, several other you know different terms that people are going to use when you describe someone's uh, work. And I feel like sometimes you really discredit the effort people put mm-hmm. in for certain things. Like obviously it's like, oh, you know, I've been drawing for 10 plus years and it doesn't really show. It's like, oh, look at this. amazing! It's an iceberg, mm-hmm. you know, you only see the top. Whereas the bottom, a lot of people either choose to ignore or don't bring it up or don't really acknowledge what went in to it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of like uh, they measure the time differently, right? So if you like, mm-hmm. I've been working on this thing for a week straight and it's like, you know, kind of half done or something like that. Somebody says the same thing. I've been working on this for a week straight and it's like this whole amazing thing, but they both started at zero at the same time. You have to like take into consideration, okay, guy number one worked on it for a week straight, but he only worked on it for 10 minutes a day on average. Guy number two worked on it for a week straight, but he worked on it for 12 hours a day on average. So like, yeah, you know, it's like the, the amount of effort that's being put in is drastically different. And because they don't spend time with each other and only meet up at the beginning and the end of the week, it's like, you know, this guy is doing he's doing so much better than you with the same amount of effort no he put in significantly more effort and got significantly more out of it but it's like it's yeah. it's such a hard discussion to have because one a lot of the times the people who are like in these kinds of modes aren't keeping track of how much time they're actually spending on this thing and the other people who uh, are comparing themselves already have like low self-confidence uh, in their own abilities, because they're just comparing um, their own milestone achievements against other people's milestone achievements in like uh, just an isolated context without, you know, considering that, oh, the reason that this guy only worked on it for 10 minutes a day is because he works two full time jobs and has to take care of a family. Right. While this other guy is in high school mm-hmm. and can spend all 12 hours a day on this with no issues. That's why sometimes, obviously, I'm still uh, learning to draw and do all the creative stuff myself. Whenever I go on YouTube and I see these videos about how to make time for drawing, how to improve your drawing and so on and so forth. A lot of them, when you learn about the context of the artist, I don't want to say it's unfair that some of the advice that they give you is not really applicable to you. Like, I believe one artist that I believe I saw, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was very hyper detailed and I, I think he's a more uh, challenge oriented artist now where he'll paint up a bus or he'll paint up a, a car and donate it and just do a bunch of art challenges like after he got big he just stopped really drawing and it became more about art challenges with his team instead of him drawing stuff oh yeah that's um, uh, the first... I know who you're talking about the YouTube guy with the green hair yeah yeah yeah, him. yeah. he um the first video I actually ever saw of his was a video about, oh, you're not working hard enough. And when I found out that he's going to like some school for, I think it was creative arts. I can't remember for sure because it's been so long since I've seen that video. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah, there's drastic improvement. You go from, you know, minor stick, like uh, somewhat okay-ish forms to super mega 
hyper detailed pencil work and the entire point of the video is like oh well, you're not drawing hard you're not uh, putting enough time into your work you know you got to do x amount of hours a day and push yourself and all this other stuff i'm thinking you know you're going to school right now you have the ability to do some of this work as your thesis paper mm -hmm. like double Whereas, up that's um, a really important skill as well as being able to double yeah. up your projects you know i understand that as an artist you need to be able to cut corners and do certain things to make the most out of your time because as an artist time is money if i can get x amount of commissions in a certain amount of time if i can get five commissions done and then i can reopen those slots i'm basically doing 10 commissions a month I'm doing up to 10 commissions a month instead of the five because I'm just not being able to get them done on time. Oh, yeah. So instead of being paid only for the five that month, I can get close to paid for 10. And that's just because I'm getting them done. But, you know, you have so many other factors in the way. It's like, okay, well, let's say I'm an adult and I want to learn how to draw. Well, I have a job. I have kids. And I only really have maybe an hour to myself. And that's being very generous. Mm -hmm. Or I'm a college student in a different type of school where – let's say just drawing is one of the uh, electives you need to take for your major and a lot of majors from what i understand you don't really need like it's mostly your uh just here's what you need to graduate type deal you're not even under a specific major you're just all right here's a uh, here's college you've graduated for two years mm -hmm. like, well, what did you do well, what'd you do and i don't know i just graduated here are my basic here's my basic classes you need to take in order to be allowed to graduate and now whatever major you decide to go under you need to finish those classes as well it's been <laughs> it's been so long since i had to know any of this for school so i'm probably butchering a lot of it so i apologize in advance it's just very much off the top of my head oh no no uh another point on the whole commissions thing uh this is a common point that comes up a lot um just with people kind of in the independent community um especially like mm -hmm. really good artists or people who because like in order to become a really good artist, you have to hate everything you do, right? And then trying to improve on it and hate less of it and less of it each time that you do it. Um, otherwise, you're never going to grow. So these these people, eventually they get to a point where they want to continue doing artwork. Um, but like you said, time is money. So the time that they're doing artwork needs to be paying them back in some way. And their initial instinct is to do it like ethically or integrally. Um by producing like a starving artist type of way where you make a painting you put it up somewhere and somebody comes through and they're like i like that painting i want to buy it and then you sell it it's like a completely thoughtless uh primarily integral uh kind of commission process right or alternatively they can do it in the quote-unquote unethical way of making themselves available for sale and uh, their services and providing commissions to other people that even if they don't necessarily like the commission or, you know, like the work that they're doing, providing this service to these people who are asking for it in exchange for money. Those are the kind of the two camps that they feel like they should go in. So there's like the good camp where I get to do what I want and people get a benefit or the other camp where I don't get to do what I want necessarily or not in the way that I want it. And other people either take advantage of me or I take advantage of them. And it's just like... It's a really unfortunate and kind of toxic way of thinking because you have to consider it like the more commissions you do, the more time you have to do the things you want to do, right? Because your means, your needs are being met in that kind of way. And so it's more of 
um and like people who are buying you are buying you for you or the things that you provide so it's not like you're swindling them because you are providing Mm -hmm. them the thing that they asked for they're like hey i'll give you 20 bucks if you draw this character of mine in your style i'm like well i can do that i can draw your character in my style that is a service that you can provide you do that you get 20 bucks that's another you know that's like a day or two of meals that you don't have to worry about yeah and uh it's just like it, it, it's about having like a considerate considerative business mindset um in how you value things like your time and it's difficult to kind of wrap your head around because i think a lot of people who have the that kind of like low self-confidence in judging their own art also think that they themselves or their time or their skills are not worth a lot so they like well i don't want to scam people so i price myself low you have to kind of like bend your morals a little bit and consider yourself from the other people's position. It's not how much you're willing to charge other people. It's how much other people are willing to pay for you. And so that's part of like, I've actually ran into that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many of my friends undercharge that goes, cause obviously I'm on both sides of the spectrum. I commission a lot of artists and uh, eventually want to do something like in the future. So I'm seeing and learning how people price themselves and there's only been two artists that i've run into that charge by the hour or charge what basically it would take them like okay here's uh i'll do a character design for you for 500 dollars. now some people listening to this would be like oh what like they they just felt the ouch in their entire being when they heard one character a design for five hundred dollars, and then you realize, well, what goes into the character design? You have the initial sketch phase. You have the, you know, you have all the information <laughs> that someone needs to give them to even get the basic idea. Then there's the sketch, like not even like, and by sketch I mean like chicken scratch. Like here's a basic form of what the character might look like. These aren't even rendered yet. These are all right. Here's the general idea of where I'm going at. Do you want to continue this direction? Or do you want me to give you another one? And then you move from there. Then you go to an actual sketch. We're talking decent pencil lines. It's like, okay, here's the we're forming the character now. And then after the form, you get into fine finished inks, color, and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of work that actually goes into it. Mm-hmm. And you got to consider as well that each one of those steps is considered an entirely separate job in a professional industry, right? Yeah. So you have a you have a guy who con- uh, constructs references. So that's one job. Then you have a guy who produces concept sketches. That's another job. Then you have a guy who produces a final sketch. That's another job. Then you have your your inking and rendering, which are two different jobs. And yeah, it's like at the end of the day, you're doing like six jobs. It's taking you a week, 10 hours a day. Five hundred dollars doesn't seem like a whole lot uh, at the end of that. So many people completely miss that art is really expensive. So it's crazy when you actually say, oh, that's why it's called deals and steals in that other chat, because Mm -hmm. so many people just jump on these artists that are like, "Okay, here's a full body commission like uh, $29 USD cuz it's mostly through skeb and everyone's like oh, and like you're seeing the chat just blow up when they see an artist that's really good and doing things for cheap and mm-hmm. luckily it was explained in the chat oh well most of these artists on skeb while well, they're college students or they're using this artwork as training to improve when they're going to go into an artistic field mm-hmm. or a job for it so it's like okay so I'm going to do this work for cheap now to get the practice 
And when I do the actual professional stuff, that's going to be where I charge more. Back to the uh, my two friends, like the $500 guy, he's done actual work in video games before. I'll have to link him later. But he does some really amazing work. He's done some stuff there. So currently right now, he's doing a lot of Arknights type commissions where you can basically have your character be in that nice, really good gacha splash art. And it looks really nice. Damn, it's not just... I kind of want that. Yeah. <laughs> right? This isn't like just, okay, a uh, character in like a live 2D flying in empty space. We're talking, here's a character in a background, like a like splash art for a gacha game. Whenever you pull like a five star, this is the art that he's giving you. And yes, it is pricey, but you're going to pay for that if you really want your character to be in that scenario. Another in a different example, the other friend, she I had asked her, like, hey, um, I really I've seen some of your because she mostly she does a uh, sketch art mm. instead now. So that we because she could pump them out like she just needs to do X amount of sketch arts a day. And then she basically made her uh, target goal. Right. And sometimes people give her more because she's done such a good job. Like, oh, well, uh, I don't want just the one. I want the two. So it's usually she gets more than the one com. Uh, per person, per slot. You know, you only really, like, you, you have your own uh, system. Like, oh, I need to, let's say I need to do 10 sketch commissions a day to meet my quota. Well, she's done good enough work to where many people, like, okay, so I know you only have 10 slots, but I kind of want to fill up, like, six for myself, and I'll pay for them right now. You know, you got people fighting for those slots. And these are just sketch art. So here I'm thinking, you know, I want to see your fully rendered artwork. I want to see how, what happens when, okay, well, I, I only have so much time. Let me get the sketch work done. I want to see what happens when you actually get a chance to take your time and really go, bam, time to bring the sexy to this illustration. Time to bring the hard, awesome sauce work. And her full render work is actually really gorgeous. And I'm thinking, wow, why don't you offer these more often? It's like, oh, well, uh, I feel bad when I'm because uh, these take me longer. So I need to charge more and uh, they take longer. So I can only do so many a month. And uh, she's really trying to. It's almost like she's trying to sell me on not getting the full render instead and say, yes. oh, you, but you can get the you can get the sketch stuff, though, that that's almost done the day you order it. I want that, though. Uh, do you have a slot for that? And it's like, well, I only open up uh, one slot a month for it, and uh, yada yada this, and uh, yada yada that, and whatever. And she's like, she's, it sounds like she's trying to like, sell me more on not getting it than grabbing it. <laughs> and I'm telling her, it's like, I want it. I, I, how much? Give me a quote. I can give you the whole thing right now because I had commissioned this artist before, and I've talked to her for a while, and I'd say we're all right acquaintances. I don't know how it's on that end, but I, you know, chat, shot the shit, hung out a couple times. So, I, I, for fairness, I'll say acquaintances. But yeah, I'm very quick to jump on the whole friends uh, bandwagon. Oh yeah. So, uh, talked to her, and I was saying like, hey, listen, if people want this they're going to pay for it. And because you're offering this other alternative for to get the artwork from you, that's fine. Some people, when they like feel a pain in their soul just for hearing something's like, oh, I'm going to pay $100 for a piece of artwork. Ugh, that's, that's a lot of money. But then because she's offering this alternative, it's like, oh, I still want artwork from you, but I don't want to pay X amount of money. Oh, but she has these sketch ones and they're, I can get those. Sure. People are going to pay for what they can afford and what they want. If they really want it, they're going to get it. So if you really want it, they're going to go for it. I remember another tangent story. There was a tapestry that I really wanted, and it was only available on a second, uh, you know, secondhand store in Japan. So 
I'm thinking, yes, I found it. It was a pre-order bonus for a game for this one specific store that I don't buy from. So I couldn't get the damn tapestry. And here it is, just the tapestry alone. Luckily, I don't have to buy a second copy of the game to get it. It's just the tapestry. And the thing was like $200 for a B2 size tapestry. And here I'm thinking, but I like the tapestry though, and I really want it. And it's the and it's a tapestry of best girl in a very suggestive pose that I'm thinking, you know, if I hang that up, that's a very nice pose. So I caved and I bought it. Yeah. You know, there's Kickstarters that people back that pay crazy amount of money for different things. Like uh, in some of these video game ones, you have a tier in which you pay like two thousand dollars to, you know, be you get to be in the game as an NPC, or we'll design a character for you, and your OC is in the game, and all this other shenanigans. Oh yeah, <laughs> people <laughs> people will pay for the things they want, and if it means you just gotta save up to get it, right? And like, who are you? Mm-hmm. You got to think about this. Like, who the fuck are you to tell someone else how much they can or cannot pay for a thing that they want? You're right. Like, you got to have some big balls to be like, yeah, no, you can't pay me enough money to make this thing because I don't want to do it because I feel bad about it. I'm like, okay, but I want to pay you this thing to do it. So just take the damn money and do the thing. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) You know, especially if you know you can do it. Right, like if if it's something unreasonable, like you can't do it, then yeah, everyone you know, has their term. Every, you go, you know, everyone has their else. list of uh, of tags that they don't want to do. So that's completely up to you know, that's entirely their prerogative if they want to draw those or not. But hey, right, right, right. But if it's in completely within yeah. reason, and the other person wants to pay you an obscene amount of money to do something that you love doing, why are you going to yeah, turn go it down? It, right, right, because you feel bad. So what? Like just take the money, and then you can feel bad knowing that your your stomach is fed for the next however long. Yeah, right. That your your lights are on. That your car payment is done. I think it's because artists are. I I should being in the a lot of these art chats. I see this a lot, and it's brought up before. A lot of artists, especially younger ones, don't really see the business side of this, and don't really understand the. If I'm drawing, I'm doing this to put food on the table. I'm doing this to pay my bills. I'm doing mm-hmm. this as a job as a career i'm gonna make money doing artwork but they still have this mentality and are treating it like a hobby you know you have people that you Mm. know feel bad about charging x amount of money for commissions you have people that don't really know how to market themselves or understand that if you take more than a month to do a single commission that might be hurting not only your reputation but yourself in the long run because you can only get so many commissions done in a certain amount of time so mm-hmm. you, you're trapped in this cycle of well uh i want to be more professional i want to do this i want to do that it's like well you have to put in the time and you have to put in the uh, research to know all right this is how i need to present myself uh, a friend of mine that i actually proxy for for certain conventions he's got an entire network going where dude has a, a proxy to go to this convention he has a proxy to go to that convention he has a proxy to go to some of these conventions and then he flies to some of the bigger ones you know, I'm in his chat and he's saying, like, all right, so who wants to go to this or who in X area or X state or X country is available to go to this convention? And I'm watching this chat going like, and here I thought I was the only one that was doing this. And it's like, no, any major con, he has someone to go to for him, except for the major ones. Because obviously, you know, if you're an artist and you're an anime artist specifically, are you going to tell, are you going to pay someone to go to anime expo for yourself? Or are you going to take them, or are you going to take it out of your taxes or, um, no, um, uh, 
Oh, are you gonna use <laughs> your, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's like, or are you gonna write <laughs> off? Are you gonna write off that uh, expense on your taxes as a business expense to go to AX as an artist? You know, because he'll personally go to some of the bigger conventions. You know, himself to sell his stuff. And it's not. It's not mm-hmm. like he's not. You know, working. You know, it's just yay. I get to go to AX. And the hour or so that I get to enjoy of the convention, uh, I can enjoy it while I'm selling all my shit at Anime Expo. Where not only that, but you get to meet a bunch of new people and stuff oh, yeah, like that, these... and physically see all the numbers that like your yeah. Twitter's your Twitter posts. Crazy nuts. Because it's like, yeah, I get a hundred thousand likes or whatever. But when you see a hundred thousand people, that's a fuck ton of people. That's a stadium Wait, full of people. It's so cool. They're like, yeah, I yeah. like that guy. Uh, to put it into perspective, just how much some people just completely... Because you see a number, and then you don't really understand how big that number is. I remember seeing someone posted a, an image saying, okay, so there's a VTuber called uh, Gura, and she's like a shark, Atlantean, yeah. yada, yada. So her debut, I forget the exact number, but someone showed an image. The amount of people that watched Gura debut as a VTuber filled up an entire football stadium worth of people. So you can just imagine, yeah, you can imagine, insane. you know, like the freaking Super Bowl and, you know, like the just recently Rihanna did her amazing performance. That's the same amount of people that went onto their computer and watched this individual. So let me put, I just yeah. looked something up real quick. So I went to her social blade. Gura currently has 4.3 million subscribers. Yeah. Okay. Put that into perspective. The entire population of Los Angeles is 3.8 million people. She has more subscribers than there are people in LA. And LA is a fucking big That's place. one of like the major like, cities in the state. That's one of the most major cities in the entire world. Let me see what the population of Bangkok is. That's gotta be like or not Bangkok, uh mm-hmm. Beijing. Let's try Beijing, right? Population of Beijing, twenty one million. So she's got a quarter that's of that. crazy. Quarter of Beijing, but more than oh, LA. Oh man, can that's I remember uh another video. Uh, it was a whole alive mm-hmm. event panel and they got the bigger conference room. So they got a lot of people in there to the point where uh, the line to get into the room was causing problems. It was a fire hazard. So they had to like reorganize the entire line in order to make sure it doesn't cause a fire hazard because there was so many people in one spot waiting to get in. And luckily for me and my group, when they were reorganizing, they accidentally cut us in the line. So we were able to get in early. <laughs> like we won't. Nice. We were one of the first. Like uh, they uh, fed uh, a group of fifty people in at a time just to make sure that they, because they were gonna fill that room up. There was gonna be no empty seats. Mm-hmm. So they put in uh, fifty people at a time, and we were one of the first fifty people. The first fifty people to get in. They filled up that entire room, so we were probably gonna get in no matter what. It's just we got uh, better seats, I guess. And just hearing the reaction to, like, I think there was, like, 200 people in that room. That's a, that's a tiny, like, microscopic portion of their viewer base. And hearing them just realize, oh, wow, this is just 200-something people. The average amount of people that I get watching me is at least four times this on a bad stream numbers are yeah. numbers are crazy you know it's a it's all a matter of perspective like when you're a kid and it you is. think ten dollars is something it's like wow i got ten dollars but as an adult you're thinking well that's that i think i can that's chump change that's basically pennies because yeah. <laughs> everything costs a lot more as an adult everything is you know over a hundred dollars yeah. 
But you think as a kid, a hundred dollars is just like an insurmountable you amount what, of money. It's impossible. Like, I don't even know if I'm able to spend all this money. Exactly. Like, oh, can you imagine how many games I'm going to be able to I mean, get uh, these one. days? One yeah, and right. a half. But <laughs> <laughs> but back when we were kids, games were like twenty bucks oh, a pop. <laughs> and even now, you say one and a half. That, that's being generous. You're getting half a game that's released later via DLCs and uh, season passes. You're not even getting a full game as much anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, the George. You're getting one game because it's $60 for the game, and then you got to wait for the DLC, which are 30 bucks yeah. a piece. And even then, that's just, oh, that's just to put the rest of the game in. Uh, yeah. I remember the biggest one that really irked me when I was a kid was there was a game called uh, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, and half the hmm. game wasn't there on launch. You needed to buy the other half of the game via DLC. That is, and I miss I miss the days of like multi disc games. Yeah, you remember those? Final Fantasy Seven on like, four you, discs. You get yourself a copy of Gran Turismo or Final Fantasy. Yep, you get like two to four discs, and then like you, the game is so big you have to reach either it's like. In Gran Turismo, it was like a menu item. You go down to like a menu item. And they're like, all right, insert this other disc. And so you have to take out the disc and put in the new disc. And then it picks up where it left off. Um, or in uh, Final Fantasy, you just get to like a certain level. And they're like, all right, switch to this next disc. All right, here we go. It's just it's insane. Oh, you man. know, like now we got to buy all of those different pieces from before. You just pay a little extra to get the extra discs. And the whole game is there. Oh, man. How else was the rest of your week now that I think about it? We kind of just went off on a side tangent. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole thing. Uh, point of the story up until yeah. this point was price yourself accordingly. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to mention before I get into the yeah. whole week thing. So a lot of the a lot of the people that I deal with um, who deal with commissions come from third world uh-huh. countries. And that's partly why they're priced so low. And it took a lot of convincing for me to get some of them to start upping their prices because they're like, well, this is not what I need. Because like their idea is like, I need more money because the value of my currency is super low. But the cost of living is just as low. And the only thing that's more expensive is all the stuff that we get from overseas, like in America and stuff like that, because it's priced in American dollars. So I got to pay 13 times as much as somebody else. Like, okay, so but you're selling to American customers who are paying you for these commissions. So what you need to do is price yourself according to their currency, not your currency. You can't be charging 30 US dollars because it translates to a week of pay for you. You need to be charging 300 US dollars because that's what your competitive market is charging. <laughs> like that's the market you're in. Because they they have like all the resources and stuff from like Japan and China who have perfected these uh, specific art yeah. styles and uh these people are like heavily influenced by them they get all the books and all the resources and stuff like that so they're able to compete at a professional level with these other things but then charge one tenth the price because they feel like they don't deserve more than that because of where they live and i'm like that's ridiculous. one comment pay charge a bit mean spirited but <laughs> i remember one comment in one of obviously in one of my commission chat uh in one of the commission channels was, oh man, I gotta love Filipino artists because I can get four times the quality work for half the price. And I'm like, ugh. Yes, it's, it's terrible. I'm like, that's... Charge yourself accordingly. Oh my gosh. It's, but that, that was just something that I wanted to yeah. mention as well as part of the whole commission. Something that kind of grinds. So, something um, that will just interject real quick because it does really annoy me when people say that, like, did this the whole starving artist narrative 
really gets to me because a lot mm-hmm. of people that will say like, oh, you, you don't get into this industry if you want to make money or, you know, this, this and that. Get into it because, you know, you like art. And here I'm thinking, you can make bank if you know what to do. You know, there's a indiv- there's this individual mm-hmm. that I remember talking to and she has her comic, you know, and she used to do live streams on YouTube, but in her very infrequent schedule. So she's doing a lot of uh, she does some streams and mostly fan art. And she worked on her mon- her quote unquote manga pages. And I remember someone getting into it with her saying like, oh, well, you know, she used to work as a hotel host. And I work in manufacturing, so two very, you know, if there's no customers, both of our industries are dead. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can't get people, if we can't get customers, then we can't survive on whatever because we're manufacturing. We literally need the customer to say, hi, uh, we need this thing made. Sweet. I'll make it for you. I got you. And as a hotel host, she's going to literally be managing people. And I got into it in the whole customer is always right thing. Now... I've worked at several different places and I can agree. Yeah, the customer is always right. Where she's arguing, it's like, no, the sometimes the customer isn't right. And you get a lot of irate. Like I'm changing up some of the rhetoric to be a little more stronger. And sometimes you get more irate customers and they abuse their position as said customers. And like, no, well, that's unfortunately something that you're going to have to deal with. But understand, that's not the standard. That's the exception to the rule. And as a customer, you yourself also have a set of standards that you must uh, follow in order to get what you're uh, paying for. You know, yes, you have a right to question. You have a right to ask, and someone be a little, maybe a little irritating to some of the guys because obviously you you're the one paying them to do the thing. It's that scene in the movie where you have this asshole saying like, "What am I paying you guys for?" and being annoyed. And, but you're not paying. Yeah, us. something like yeah. that. Where you know <laughs> what happens in real life. I've uh, done warehouse man, uh, warehouse worker. I've done. Uh, I was an unloader at UPS, and this is just some of the general uh, company stuff. While I was working at a medical facility and at uh, even now in manufacturing, a lot of the major customers that we had, they understood the workload and they understood uh, what was going on, but they still expected it to be done. Because our job is to make sure mm-hmm. that we get the product in, not yeah. they they don't they they're not it's not their it's not the customer's job to worry that we have like seven other customers. Their worry is I paid you X amount. I expect to get X amount at this time because that's what we agreed upon. Whereas uh, just I guess I can give an example. I was like, OK, yeah, you're going to have these, uh, you know, these Logan Paul type individuals going to hotels and not really being the uh, best of guests. But understand that not every mm-hmm. customer is going to be a Logan Paul or some of these very irate people. You know, you can make a living doing artwork. You have people that are living to this day basically rent free because they drew man once. You know what I mean? I know it's a crazy example oh, to yeah. be saying, like, oh, well, you can't really use Marvel characters as an example because, you know, you get paid so much royalties uh, depending on which book and if it's sold well. And obviously, there's a lot of asterisks for that. But. If you can manage yourself well and make your business work and find that niche and go for it, you can a you can oh man I, it's such a uh I get so heated about this especially because she did she did the 
oh well uh, uh prove it if you think you can uh live off of a way you know live off of artwork and stuff and whatever it's like what do you mean Mind you, the same person now has their comic in bookstores due to other circumstances and not her own. So it took another business to get her work into somewhere else instead of doing what she needed to do in order to get it there. So put in the work. You're going to see your efforts paid off. You know, just got to make sure you keep up with it, because obviously a lot of people that I personally respected, they kind of dropped off and started doing other things like i had mentioned before some creators uh like uh, ethan van skyver for example he hasn't really put out any comics in a long time and the main reason why i respected him was because he was able to do it and now it's yeah. like dude i can't you like i can't really look up to you and use you as an example as much anymore because you only put out like two comics in like five years come on man you're doing single issue comics too this ain't no graphic novel thing sure it's expanded to like 40 something pages but Hey, I know buds of mine that do manga art that have uh, that do a page a day in a VC call and it's a page a day and it's done. Dude's done in the middle of us having a freaking conversation. So if I got buds that can do that, I'm pretty sure you can do that with your level artwork. You know, it's. Oh, yeah. We'll have to have a discussion sometime about like uh, various business opportunities for artists and stuff like that. Kickstarter, commissions, cons. You know, that kind of thing. We'll have to get into that at some point. That'd be a really interesting topic yeah, to talk I'll about. I'll have to go more into that. I'll have to bug my uh, my friend about that just so I can... Because uh, I've only proxied for him for the convention here in Chicago called C2E2. Uh, that's how he met me because I lived in the area and I was a local. So obviously being the smart business person, he's saying, all right, so I'm going to send... It's very difficult to do conventions by yourself, but I'll tell this story for later when we do for the topic. But uh, back to back to your week. How's the rest of your week going, my dude? Uh, yeah, it's been going pretty good. I got some more of that footage for my uh, YouTube channel. Our first YouTube video done. I've been working on the script as well for the second video. Um, I'm hoping to start editing that together pretty soon. I don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, my guess is like, Maybe 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But I, I got a comic finally, Smallville Chaos, to use like the intro prop. Um, because apparently nobody I know in real life wow, really? still collects issue comics. And so it's like a whole thing. So it's just like a prop that I wanted to use for the in introductory line. It's like, so do you know Batman's a manga character? And this is like talking about the Batman manga. All right. <laughs> that's a, that's a it's like a little... That's a fun read. Are we are we yeah. talking the original one from the uh, from the eighties? The uh, classic. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember what art style that they ended up going for for that. But the it, it, I don't even think it's it's like the Bat manga or something. It, I believe we got it published a square binding instead of a normal manga tank, from what I remember. Unless it might be a different Bat yeah. manga because there's a couple of them. They did a Justice League one. Uh, a bit ago. Oh wow! Is that Lord Desmond? I'm looking at the cover of the Bat Manga, uh -huh. uh, Volume One, Classic Manga available, and it looks like the on the cover with the original Batman is maybe Lord Deathman. You know him? Oh wow! Yeah, that's a deep cut. Lord Deathman, this wild, wild Batman villain, is basically like Skeletor, and his superpower is that he can't die, and he knows every Pokemon and their evolutions. He's also a master of yoga. <laughs> oh, but he's yeah, he's like a big deal, I guess. It's like it's it's insane. 
But yeah, he's like on the cover of it. It's like this big bright orange cover. Yeah. It says in Katakana, Batol yeah. Mung. Yeah, that's a that's an oldie. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that. That's uh oh boy, that's that is an oldie. That's crazy. Oh yeah. But yeah, so like yeah, I was talking about uh the more recent one that they had done, uh one of the Batman mangas with the crossovers. I say crossover very loosely, it's just like having Batman done by a manga author. Mm-hmm. Um but I did forget that there was a nineteen eighties one. So, but in either case, it's Batman is a manga character, and then that's just a good way to start off the video was this little snippet of information. It's like, but how does manga get made? Well, let's talk about it. All all this overview stuff. Because yeah, you can, it, so many people think it's uh, manga is an aesthetic and a, or at least for me, it's an aesthetic and a different process. Whereas so many people use the. Uh, Every time you see some people try and argue, you know, manga comics are the same thing. They just do yada, 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 yada. And it's like, well, they are technically made different and it's an entirely different style of production. And you have some of these people that uh, they, they still use to this day. I have I see this argument of they read right to left and reading orientation is such an important thing in this argument, completely ignoring that that's just how that side of the world reads. You know, if we were in an alternate universe and it was or a mirror universe and it was flipped, your argument would be void because it's just they're reading it the other way now. Reading orientation. Yeah, exactly. Reading orientation doesn't isn't part <laughs> of the process. It's just how they read there. Exactly. <laughs> that and you know that that's such an important thing because when manga was translated and brought over to the US, they did that. They flipped manga. Ranma one half is officially printed in English in reverse order. Uh, Inuyasha, same deal. It always confused me reading Inuyasha chapters and they talk about Shishomaru's left hand, but I'm like, no, that's his right hand. What the heck? Is because all the pages are flipped. I believe a uh, lone um, wolf and cub when they brought that over. They didn't flip it. They just reoriented the panels so that way they could read it uh, left to right. So you get that's it was it, it was a really for what they did it was all right but uh, I'd still rather read it in its original orientation just because it's a lot easier to just read it the way it was originally meant to be read instead of trying to adapt it. Another fun fact: uh, Ranma and I believe Inuyasha also were published in single issues over here, like in America, where we just uh, release single chapters, quote unquote chapters issues whatever nomenclature you want to use a single part of the story that you title number one number two number three to be collected into a trade paperback or tankobon really yeah i believe that i didn't know that yeah i believe they were published in single ones because there is a couple that viz media did put out because they were attempting to you know they one thing i will give viz as a company is they still try and learn and adapt so besides skipping over a bunch of licenses that people want you know, <laughs> what they did originally was they were trying to, you know, match the American comic book market. So if they're going to bring over manga, I believe this was even before they were called Viz Media, the company that would become Viz and some of the other people. Yeah, it's called Viz Select Comics. Yeah. So what ended up happening was they're trying to release these single issue chapters as regular comics over here, thinking it'll work. But it didn't really take on. As soon as they started releasing the, you know, the full Tankobon instead of the single issues, that's when the sales started to increase because it's a lot easier to, you know, argue, why would I pick up this black and white comic for the same price as a Marvel comic when this one's in color and it's a character that I know 
and it's in a reading orientation that I know, and I like the art style. And, you know, there's, there's so many biases, especially at the time, for manga. Well, nowadays, you know, manga is super mainstream, so you see, you know, it doing incredible numbers versus the American market. So it, it's really... Not cool. only that, but you have to also consider that, like, manga chapters are made with a completely different intent yeah. with, by being read sequentially. Um <clears throat> While uh, comic issues historically have always been uh, like they, they may have been part of a larger story, but they're always written in a way that makes it clear and intentional that these are going to be like a standalone issue with a beginning, middle and an end. Yeah. Um, depending on the writer. And then you move on to the next issue that kind of picks up. Yeah, depending on the writer. But generally, those are the ones that yeah. sold the better is where you could just pick up wherever. And even if you were missing like a little context here, a little context there, you still got a complete story out of yeah. it. Manga, you don't do that. Like it, there are chapters in Naruto that's just two guys fighting. Like the whole chapter is just two of them fighting. And then you move on to the next chapter, two of them fighting still. Right. And you're like, all right, I don't know why they're fighting or what's going on. But then you go back to the beginning and you start reading the stories like oh these two were like kind of rivals and best friends and uh they grew up together and one of them had to work really hard and he ended up surpassing his rival and then his rival has to play catch up this whole time because he's been so obsessed with revenge that he has been making progress mm -hmm. and you know you get all these dynamics and by the time you do get to that fight again you're like holy shit this is amazing this is the coolest yeah. shit i've ever seen in my historically, life historically you know that there is a uh stuff does change you know so luckily I could say for sure that, you know, having, you know, I'm looking at the omnibus of a bunch of the comics from the time, from that time, you have Spider-Man, X-Men. I actually have the Clone Saga. As crazy as that storyline gets, at least, you know, it was done and you can skip around for it because a lot of it was just meandering, trying to figure out who the clone is and all this other stuff. So yeah, much maligned story arc, but you can effectively do that where each issue is beginning middle and end you can skip a couple some arcs and kind of miss some of the context for some other things but still come back and say yeah no i i read the clone saga i mean i skipped some boring bits and some stories but i got the general gist of it whereas nowadays uh a lot of comic artists it's just how the market has evolved a lot of uh especially comics from like image and a lot of these indie guys a lot of them are written for the trades so you have someone mm -hmm. That's writing. Here's my here's five. They're, they're doing uh, basically the manga one shot thing where here's my pitch for volume one of the series. And then, you know, keep going and yada, yada. Uh, so they end up turning the pitch for volume one and split it into like five chapter or five issues or six or however many uh, issues they're going to have for their first volume for their first trade paperback and then continue on from there. Like, the stories themselves are written, like, they're graphic novels. They just need to sell them as individual issues because they need a budget. And a lot of manga now is becoming more serialized, which is funny. Because uh, we'll have to talk about the difference between serialized storytelling and episodic storytelling. Because that is a major difference between some of the Eastern and Western storytelling. Like, that could be, I don't know, oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's going to be a part of your video or not, but that I can make an argument for why certain ones work a little better in certain uh, markets. Yeah, the the main part of the video that I have is talking about the... It's acknowledging that there are differences and then talking about what the Japanese does differently in terms of storytelling and their priorities in it uh, over... Uh, Western. So, like in Western uh, storytelling, a lot of it's uh, driven by like the uh, conflict or the drama, right? Where you have these stories, like 
the idea of a slice of life story just does not exist in America. You have something close like the Archie comics or, you know, whatever, where like people, Dilbert, you know, who are like living their daily lives and stuff like that. But those are comedy series. They're not slice of life series, right? Well, you can have something like K-Own or something, um, Bochi the Rock most recently. Yeah exist um as a slice of life with comedy in it but there's like it's like an additive property right or like uh more specifically like yatsuba and is probably one of the greatest slice of life uh comics of all time which is the story about a um little eight-year-old girl living with her single father um and just kind of like her daily adventures meeting her neighbors and uh, just doing kid things, learning about shopping, learning about adult stuff, uh, you know, like whatever they grow up to do, uh, that kind of thing. Eventually going to school. Uh, very, very cute. You meet more of her family, like her grandparents and stuff like that. But the idea of like manga being able to subsist on that kind of storytelling is because the priorities of the story are completely different. It's not driven by conflict. It's driven by mood. Um, or vibe is like another way to put it, right? Is like you the entire point of the story is to create an atmosphere and then exist within that atmosphere and encourage a certain type of mood. And when you read that stuff, you become you get in that mood. You you know get kind of like this warm home feeling. Like you're it's Christmas time and you're sitting in front of a Yule log. You know, it's like that. That's the kind of feeling that that invokes and its entire purpose and it. Uh, it's extremely popular for it. I think uh, I'm trying to look back and remember. You'd have to go indie level if you want anything remotely close to that. And even then, you still have this minor conflict of whatever's going on in order to get something close to Slice of Life here. I remember uh, another thing where someone was reviewing like some Marvel comic stuff. And the things that he was complaining about was the writers attempting to do like this cutesy like I, I know it's slice of life that's what they're trying to do it's clear that they want to replicate the manga slice of life feel but they're doing it in a superhero comic which you know you'd think it would work but then it ends up being all right so here's the conflict of the comic and then we're just gonna stop the conflict to do cutesy yada yada slice of life stuff and it doesn't mix well because the writer was just doing it terribly and it's jarring you know you have a uh, Let's see. Uh, I remember it happened once during the uh, Miss Marvel comic with Kamala Khan. And you have this conflict that's going on. It completely ignore the conflict like two pages later. And oh, here's some drama and some teen stuff and some whatever. Yada, yada. It's like a CW drama instead of whatever people whatever people think slice of life is. It's crazy. You have uh, Yotsuba. I honestly I definitely liked uh, for what we do have available. I really liked reading through Lucky Star because that that's the that's the one that I can point to and say, all right, even if you don't like, um, cause I know some people like Yotsuba. I couldn't really vibe with it. It's cute. I will agree, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know why I couldn't get into it, but someone gave, maybe you just don't relate to it enough. Yeah. Um, which is like a huge, huge factor is you have to be able to relate mm -hmm. to it. And it's harder for like Westerners to relate to, you know, Japanese slice of life because we live very different lives. When someone's right? when they're talking about how, Oh man, it sure is hot today. Better bust out the fans and the barley tea. And here I'm thinking, as an American, why don't you just turn up the AC? I mean, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, there, oh, here, here's a here's a really good example. In uh, it, it's completely obscure. Sorry for another tangent. There's a anime called uh, Love Life. It's school idols and yada yada. At one point, oh, I love yeah, Love Life. At one point, they go to the rich girl of the group, Maki. They go to her summer home or something. 
and they're excited over the most mundane things. I'm like, this just looks like an American house. What's what's the what's the what's the deal? And they look up and it's like, oh, look, a ceiling fan. It's like, <laughs> what? What? Oh, a ceiling fan. And they have a chimney. It's like, and we, oh, they, my gosh. It's like, you can't. Sometimes you can relate. Sometimes you can't. And that's just a culture difference. It reminds me kind of of uh, another ser- scenario in another show called Love Lab um, that I watched, which is the concept is um, a couple of girls want to get better at like dealing with love and like getting boyfriends and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And they go to this friend who's kind of like outspoken and uh she's very kind of like um, just outgoing and because she has like all of this social experience or whatever everybody assumes that she must have like a lot of experience with love turns out but she like doesn't right Mm -hmm. so the idea is that she lies to them to try and keep up appearances like yeah i have a ton of experience in love then they form this club with her as the advisor on how all of them can improve in their various love lives right and that's why it's called love lab um and so it's like her trying to learn about love from these girls and then help them do whatever they can um anyway so there's like this whole uh scene where the girls are experimenting with like tans and stuff like that um so this is there's this subculture in japan called gyaru uh which just means girly um where girls will tan their skin and uh wear jewelry and stuff like that and essentially look more like black culture inspired um just because black people uh to them have like supreme style and so they 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 encourage this like have you seen the dude like uh, that draws soul leader and shit like this dude gets it freaking um i can't remember his name but he can do dreads and the and like hip-hop culture like they have a bunch of hip-hop in the the soul leader anime and it wasn't until a friend of mine had bought the official soundtrack to where i'm like dude this is like this is a hip hop album. Just the did you know like that like the uh, opening title cards has an entire like three minute song dedicated to it. Here it's like dun 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 dun, and then you hear Maka saying like the title. Oh yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. So scandalous. Yeah, yeah. Like that's an entire three minute song. This is hip hop. Like to people who Atsushi Okuba. That's who it was. Like oh man oh man I can I yeah dude dude's a huge fan of black culture anyway so yeah. in this episode uh the girls are trying out this gyaru thing and they end up doing blackface to look like black women and call each other soul sister and stuff like that and it's just like this completely like disconnected from reality thing I'll send you a photo real quick of what it what it what looks like so you can take a look and we'll I, include I, them in the I show remember notes. I I remember this episode. <laughs> just so many it was it was so bad uh but like that wasn't the intention you have to understand from like a cultural perspective they're trying to do this japanese subculture that's inspired by black people they weren't trying to be black people or making fun of that black people it was very much like an honor systems type of situation you know? but that's like one of those clear scenarios where like the differences between american and japanese priorities in storytelling and culture and that kind of thing is like it's stark to bring back an earlier it's very very okay so you know how i was talking about vtubers earlier you can find a clip an entire montage of japanese vtubers 
saying the n-word yes yes it all started with uh what's her name uh i think kizuna i it all started with kizuna i they were all playing gta oh my gosh franklin roaster not franklin um oh i forget uh lamar roasting franklin <laughs> and that is yes. scene. they're just repeating it and it's like they don't know what the hell that means it's a difficult you say that in japan because well, he says it with flair yeah. <laughs> he says it with flair and so they're like oh i want to say that that sounds and fun they, they don't know what that means and i'm not gonna get into the whole uh thing with it but they don't know what that means they don't the culturally they just think it's like, oh, uh, I don't even think it tr- registers to them that it's an insult. Obviously, all of the EN VTubers that play the game, they know what it means because they know what it means culturally over here versus over there. Right, exactly. All the flair and all this other stuff. Like, I don't know what that means. There, oh, there's a scene in, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the freaking uh, comic, but it's the, uh, I'm trying to remember, but basically, but, but here's the scenario. You got two aliens going to America for the first time. And uh, back in the I think I don't know if it's still you. I haven't heard any of it uh, back in like the 80s, 90s. Like, yo, dog, you good? Uh, you, like a lot of uh, a, a lot of older slang. And obviously you have this alien that's saying this is like, hi, you are a dog. Like not getting the nuance between the context of how you're supposed to say it. Whereas, right. He's like, he's calling him a dog. He's like, well, he called him a dog. Yeah. No, he said dog. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a different thing. So. <laughs> I want to look I, because we're talking about this. I got to look this up now. But understanding the culture, but uh, from what you're dealing with, really, really helps. You know, so you have this episode of Love Lab, and they're trying. They don't mean to be offensive. They don't fucking know. But you're gonna have people over here in the states uh, think, "Oh, look at this! It's a yada yada offensive and whatever." Not understanding the context, they're gonna see this image and they're gonna think, "Insert whatever." Versus you actually watch the episode and like, man, aren't black people so cool? Aren't, you know, isn't this culture super awesome? Admittedly, I've seen a lot of, uh, there's like entire like gal magazines and stores and all this other stuff. Like it's an entire section that you can go to in Akihabara and just have, like it's it's like going to a library and then seeing, all right, this is for the gal stuff. Here's the clothing. Here's the nail stuff. Here's the accessories you're going to need. And it's crazy. Like, I think in cosplay shops, too, they have their own little dedicated section if you're going to cosplay a gal character. Mm. And you don't even need the tan sometimes, too. It's just, you know, some choose to do it or not. Sometimes it's also just the clothing and the accessories. Uh, like, my favorite gal... Yeah, they try to tone down the tan a lot more these yeah. days. So I got to be uh, culturally sensitive or some yada yada. So, uh... No, I think it's just, like, a matter of, like, keeping them attractive uh, in a way. Because, like, in Japan, uh, the mark for attractiveness is, like, having paler skin. And a lot of people say this, like, oh, yeah, it's the equivalent of being white or something like that. And I'm not, not really, right? Because you got really pale Chinese and Korean people who are really attractive, but they don't look white. We're talking dead pale white. Like, you're dead. There's no blood circulation. Yes, exactly. Um, so, like, it, of course, it always depends on the person. Yeah. So a lot of people like darker skinned characters and stuff like that. So they still make it through. Um, and historically, in like the 80s and 90s, that's very much the case. You know, when Garu culture was like catching on, uh, they wanted to look more black. So they darkened their skin because they thought, you know, it complemented the aesthetic a whole lot. But uh, as Garu anime came out, they had to kind of 
combine the the nuances of both ends by having light skinned Gyaru characters or like Gyaru with slight tans. I, th- um, I think my favorite gal to this day is still uh, Martin Kitagawa from My Dress Up Growing. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, hero, I'm one yes. of those. Suckers. I'm one of the suckers for the darker skin too. I'm not gonna lie. Like, hey. Uh, <laughs> My favorite dark skin one is the girl from Gal Gohan. Have you read oh, that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's great. Yeah, hey, no, she's no great. I lo- so those are like top two Gyarus is Gal Gohan and uh, uh, my dress up darling. The Like um, the best part about that comic too. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about the uh, the author, but the entire point of the comic is breaking down stereotypes. A little another side tangent before I even get close to my week. Um, I remember I used to listen to the Crunchy Cast. Because Crunchyroll's official podcast and whatever. So they had, like, two random people. I don't remember who they got to... I don't know how... What their positions were at the company. But you had two people mm-hmm. who worked at the company doing the podcast. And I didn't like... It was a male and female host. I didn't like the female host because... she, To me, it rung like she just watched shows and not really watched them. The type of people that... She didn't think about yeah. them. She just consumed them kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's like, well, I, I, this is what happened. She didn't think about the subtext of why things happened. She just cared about what People happened. were saying she would like, you know, please tell me Galko-chan when it was coming out. And when I watched it, I knew something was a little special about this show. I knew there was something a little extra that I'm like, you know, this is a pretty good show. I wonder why. And it wasn't until like I watched it again. That I was like, oh, this is not about, you know, her being a gal. It's about these. It's why friends and they're not friends. It's why um, Scooby-Doo and... Uh, the Breakfast Club works so well. It's because you have all these different archetypes, all these different characters hanging out, and you wouldn't think that it would work. Obviously, Scooby-Doo is also part of the mystery stuff, but you have, you know, Fred, Velma. Yeah, because they need conflict. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to think about yeah. this, because they need conflict. Right. That's why the mystery stuff yeah. is happening. So thinking about it, it's like, oh, no, you have this entire comic about breaking down stereotypes, like Galco. Oh, it's like, oh, she shows up late to class and she's tired. And they're like, oh, I bet she was sleeping with someone last night. It's like, no, she's just a bad, she's not a morning person. And she stays up all night watching anime. Oh, why does she dress like a gal? It's because her sister did that and she respects her sister. And her sister, like, if I recall correctly, she works as a Miko. So, uh, I don't remember. I Maybe, I think, um... That or she's like in the fashion industry yeah, or something. Yeah, I can't like that. remember for sure, but I remember she was in that outfit. It's it, I'm not gonna lie; it's been a while since I've seen the show too. I saw it when it aired, and then again, like about a week after it finished. So I, yeah, it might be slightly off, but it might have been she was helping at the shrine at that time. But she respects her sister, and she's also dressed like that when she was younger. You have the big chunky girl uh, named Meat, and you wouldn't think, oh, you know, she's gonna be the. <sighs> Oh, you're breathing heavily. She's going to be, you know, the quote unquote larger girl. Yeah, no, she's the best girl in gym class. She, she, knew shoes, pats everyone. She's the active girl. Just because she's bigger doesn't mean she's not going to exercise and be like strong. She's like the kingpin in Marvel comics. And that ain't fat. That's muscle. She's just, big. oh yeah. Like the entire point of the comic is breaking down stereotypes. And here you have this female host saying like, oh, you know, I didn't want to check it out because, you know, I don't want to spend 20 minutes of Galco talking to me about vagina. And that's kind of not it. Like, obviously, each episode starts off with a very, I guess, kind of crude joke. Uh, like, one episode... Well, the idea is to... They have to set up the the expectation, yeah. right? And then subvert that expectation. Right. So the expectation is Galco's a, a... She's a gal um, who... 
culturally are known to be more promiscuous because they're used to breaking uh, social roles in Japanese society. And part of that is like being more sexual. And so if you experience like so Gaoko-chan normally like people at the very start of the series expect her to be like really promiscuous and you know whatever it turns out she's a virgin um that's like the plot i think of the first episode and she's like trying to find love and you know whatever so that's like how every episode starts it's like here's a stereotype about gals here's galco chan who doesn't adhere to that i think they even called back on the whole dyed hair thing because of the rules how you're not supposed to have your hair any other color even if you're a natural blonde or naturally like brunette or something you know like you, it has to be yeah if you're like a mixed dark. kid or something like that and you have a lighter hair color yeah so uh after so lo- after a long wait time to interject and say here's my week <laughs> oh, <Yes. God. laughs> after so long we're, we're talking about uh, anime and manga and all this other stuff it's like there's filler in this podcast but luckily we can chain it all together that's uh takes skill and pride and a lot of knowledge in order to do that. <laughs> We're two jackasses talking on a podcast, making sure everything somewhat remotely connects to one another. <laughs> oh man. So uh with me, I've been really, really struggling to get my schedule going just outside of work. So immediately after the last episode, I organized and tried to get some shopping done. I completely forgot to cook my meals for the weekend or for the week because i usually do meal preps so i buy my ingredients i buy all this i buy all that and then i spend about an hour meal prepping because i'm not that good of a cook so i guess i'm gonna have to read gal gohan again and some of these other cooking manga to uh level up my cooking skill i'm not the level of uh got that new cooking isekai yeah right out. right you know i'm not that uh i'm not shokugeki no soma level of cooking but i can maybe mess around with some gal gohan or some other insert other series that gets a cooking manga <laughs> cuz it's such a basic thing to do too every other series you could think about has a cooking manga spinoff it's it it's, does it's cute. like oh, there's even attack on titan has a cooking ova oh right i remember where yeah, it's John is John versus Sasha, and they have to uh, prepare a meal that will wow. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the commander of the regiment. Yeah, just <laughs> uh, Pixis. Right. Pixis. They have to wow Pixis. Oh man, another side tangent. So I missed my chance to meal prep. So I know today I'm going to do that after uh, we're recording this on Easter Sunday. So happy Easter, by the way, to everyone that celebrates it. I hope you have a good time. I hope you collect all those eggs. Uh, hope you have a nice time with the family and nice time celebrating it. So I missed my chance to do that last week. So I obviously had to eat out. And I'm thinking, well, I can at least try and turn this around. Nope. My car ends up needing to get uh, checked for the admissions test. A uh, bunch of other stuff that happened. So I got to send that to my, the mechanic. And then... I'm talking to my boss and I'm asking, I'm like, hey, uh, my raise didn't show up in my paycheck yet. It's been two paychecks. Uh, can I get my raise, please? You know, that that's that, that kind of why I'm working here so I can get my raise and uh, improve and so on and so forth. And just a lot of stuff just kept bogging me down. Uh, just this Thursday, uh, just this Saturday, they called me in to work. So I, I was lucky that I got a, a four day work week because we got friday off unlucky because they called me in on saturday asking me to come in early so here i am you know unfortunately obviously adulting is hard 
So I did the dumb thing and just kept my normal schedule when I work nights. So it, I get up at like when I'm supposed to get up normally for work. But then I realized, oh, snap, I have today off on Friday. And I woke up at the wrong time to get up early at work on a Saturday. This is going to be great. And I got into work on Saturday just dead tired because just of the weird sleep schedule. And then I'm donating plasma and then my blood vessels pop in the freaking machine. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So luckily, that's that's an entirely it happens. So the only bad downside is they couldn't return the blood. So I just had to stay there an extra half hour. You know, they gave me some fishy crackers and some Gatorade and they told me the whole shebang about like, okay, so we couldn't return your blood to you and, you know, this, this and that and a lot of the health things and understanding what's going on. So it, it was completely safe. They just, they just didn't put the blood back in. It's entirely safe for that to happen. Right. They just can't put the blood back in and they'll just disconnect you from the machine and don't worry about any of it. I just felt bad because I couldn't finish my donation. So here I'm thinking, ugh. I couldn't. The work week wasn't so hot. My Saturday, I basically lost because, you know, I got I technically got my blood drained because they took a decent uh, it was like a 60 to 70 milliliters of blood that they took out. Not a lot in comparison, but mm. still enough to really kind of drain. Yeah, it's a good chunk to put a dent. Yeah, I mean, I have definitely felt it after about a, a couple minutes after I left. So I'm like, oh, man, I got to get something to eat. I didn't get anything to eat because I just drove home and I'm dead tired. So I knock out and I'm like, well, there goes my Saturday. And my buds send me a DM. It's like, hey, D&D tonight. It's like, oh, snap, I got to get going. And then as I'm driving down there, it's like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. Everybody canceled. So no D&D tonight. I'm like, man, I'm already like halfway there. So I get some Wendy's because I'm thinking, <laughs> you know what? I need a win. I need a win for this week. I haven't even really been able to get anything done this week either. I tried to... Uh, tackle one of the short stories in Fighters of Fear. Because I figure, all right, if I'm going to be in this chair while I'm donating, I might as well read. I think this is why I appreciated some of the light novels and why I just plowed through a lot of them. It, to bring back an earlier point, the prose is a lot easier to read. And it's a lot more... My brain is tiny, and I'm a bit of a dumbass. So easy prose is nice. Reading prose, <laughs> reading prose from... The 1800s, and there's some bits that grammatically and sentence structure, grammar and sentence structure has changed a bit uh, from our understanding. So I'm reading something and I'm thinking, this doesn't read correctly. And it's not that, it's just, no, I'm used to seeing it written slightly differently. So uh, uh, basic uh, lesson they teach you in like English class now. You're not supposed to put and after every time you put a colon. Or a comma, I should say. Like, uh, when you're, listening, when you're yeah. listing something off, you say, oh, I went to the store, comma. I went to the miniature shop, comma. I went to the gym, comma. And I went to bed afterwards. There are some sentences where yeah. you have and after everything. Admittedly, it's only three things, right? Uh, I went to this place, and, or uh, comma, and yada yada, this place. And or uh, and yada yada. So it was a three. It, it only did it three times, and I was wondering why does this read so weird. So reading older prose is definitely a bit of a hiccup and a weakness that I wish to overcome. But I am getting through it. I'm going to finish this book by the end of the month. Uh, some of the character document stuff I was able to at least think about. I wasn't able to write, but I was able to at least pan out the 
uh, bullet points that I want to reach when I rewrite the initial short story. Uh, hmm. There was that. Plus side, I was able to visit my parents' house. I show up one day, and my parents are like, oh, yeah, no, you still get your mail from here, by the way. It's like, oh, what I order? And a bud of mine had sent me a lot of miniature stuff. He's a, uh, wow. a, a a friend from before, as mentioned. He's a 3D printer. So he sends me... Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I had bothered him at some point about like, hey, here's a X amount of money. Can I get this, this, and this? He's like, yeah, sure, I'll hook you up. In the package, it says, hi, yeah, this took a bit. So I just sent you two packages worth of other shit for me being late. Because I told him like, hey, you know what? Take your time. I'm not in any rush to send this out. And he's like, yeah, no, it's... But obviously he's trying to run a business so uh he's trying to send it to me as quick as possible but i guess other orders and stuff were on circumstances that i don't understand right now caused him to not send it out and i guess he was trying his damn just to make sure he gets everything out as in a timely manner so i forgot that i had ordered that stuff so he sends me like two two boxes full of miniature stuff uh different uh little uh, mini figs like uh if you guys seen this isekai saw i'm a spider saw what he happens to have mm-hmm. a miniature of the spider girl or uh not the uh not the actual main character the uh spider queen i think i can't remember her name but there's a little miniature of her that he was able to get you know a third party uh sculptor to make or i guess it's a i, I don't know how it works in the 3d uh printer industry and proxy stuff but you know y- you have the main boss girl as a little miniature. And it's actually really cool, too. And then he sent me that, and then he sent me uh, Arachne from Monster Musume as a uh, ninja. So You have a thing for spider girls, huh? Eh, it might be, because he had a bunch of people. He says that uh, a lot of people order them, so hey, strike while the iron's hot. That's why uh, when Monster Musume got super popular, you have Seven Seas just going quadruple down on the Monster Girl stuff. You got... Uh, Nurse Tomi's Monster Infirmary. You got Monster Girl Doctor. You got... If it has Monster Girl in the name or if it has Monster Girls, they're going to license it. So, Strike with the Iron's hot. Yeah. So, there's a bunch of... Uh, I think there's like only two or three Arachne girls that he had. So, he sends me one of those. He sends me uh, 3D printed garage kits, which are basically... Here's a 3D model of a character. And instead of the normal process of making a garage kit, you just 3D print the parts. So right. he sends me, uh, he's actually sent me a task. He's like, you like dark? And I did not know what he meant by that. And when I opened the package, I am instantly remembered why he asked me, do I like dark? And it's a 3D printed garage kit of Yoroichi from Bleach in her, oh. in her, uh, like the, the, I guess spoilers for Bleach. She gets like a cat Bankai or some shit later. Like that electric cat form she takes in the last arc. Got it. And I'm thinking, oh, that's why he asked that. And I'm thinking, listen, bro, Yoroichi's pretty hot. So I'm, I'm going to keep that. Uh, oh, yeah. So I ordered, um, he had, because uh, he has a big network of different uh, miniature developers and 3D printers and different sculptors. So I guess one of the people that he follows happened to have designed and made the uh i'm not even gonna butcher the name but the main mech from darling in the franks that uh zero two and hero pilots yes. I'm, th- I'm thinking fuck it might as well get that too i like that mech i mean the proportions are wonky but fuck it it's a freaking waifu robot why not 
I ordered that, and I think at some point I wanted to do some slime stuff just to practice because I wanted to uh, practice uh, painting on translucent, uh, transparent plastic. So I thought that any of the slime uh, characters that he had would be translucent, and it's like no, it's it's a, it's very dependent on the resin that you 3D print it with. Yeah, I'd love to. In her, uh, in her, in her cute little raincoat, and I'm like, oh, you want to? That's cute. You know, I can have this little slime girl in a raincoat looking all adorable. She's she's in the like the sitting posture with her legs and like an M. Yeah. Like on the ground. So I'm like, yeah, you know, it's kind of cute. And her hands like forward as she's leaning forward. So I'm like, you want know, that's a cute little pose. Let's uh, I'll order one of those. And then I can't remember what the third one I ordered was, but I only ordered three things. Oh wait, uh, I found it. So he likes slimes. So he has an entire like slime girl range. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a slime girl that's taking the form of a, fo- of a fox girl. And here I'm thinking, I'm not going to pass on this adorable creature that's trying to pretend to be a sli- uh, a fox girl. So I'm going to I'm going to get the fox slime. <laughs> and I asked him, like, so, so I asked him, like, so how big can we make the slime girl? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I want him big. I, I don't want miniature size. I want like almost scale figure size. I'll charge you a little more for it, but I think I can make her big. I'm like, yes, big, bigger, better. I want my, I want to be able to 3D print my own scale <laughs> How figures. How big do you want the mountain? Bigger, big. <laughs> so instead of miniature, I got this, you know, this pretty decently sized fox. I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna paint her up and see how good she turns out. I'll, I'll share it later in the show notes if I ever get a chance to paint it. So that was a big plus in my week of mediocrity. So oh, I, I bet. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but there's a game called Monster Girl Quest. And mm. the main Lamia, he was able to find a model of her. So now I have this Lamia girl from, you know, Monster Girl Quest on my desk. He sends me two of them. And he's telling me, hey, I heard you like, I heard you wanted to uh, practice painting. Paint this for me. So he sends me all of this stuff. And he's sending me all of this other uh, 3D print stuff that he made. And like, here's a, here's a, uh, uh, sorry, it took a bit. So now I have all of these pieces, all this other stuff. And just, well, uh, I have a lot of stuff to prime. And my pile of shame is just growing because I just have a bunch of stuff that I just don't have painted. And now I just got a bunch of, like, a lot of new pieces from a friend of mine. Luckily, in the same package, you know, the same uh, hall of mail, my speed paints from Army Painter showed up. And speed paint is uh, basically a one coat paint. You apply a, a one layer, and it does all the shading, all of the con. Like, it, it, it's supposed to basically uh, help you paint better. Mm-hmm. So it's and hence the name speed paint. It speeds up the process. So instead of needing to get uh, different layers to your painting and different uh, shading and so on and so forth, it's just one coat. Boom, you're golden. So I wanted to try it out and I wanted to upgrade my uh, I wanted to in, uh, expand my paint range. So I ended up buying them. It was a pretty good price, too. Luckily, my game plan for the short story and, hasn't and changed. SFW, we'll both have to get into that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm still down. I got it. some. Uh, uh-huh. I got some. Oh, yeah, yeah. Working on the game stuff. But I got some uh, concepts for figures for my manga that I've always wanted printed. Oh, wow. Um, the only issue is I don't have anybody to build them uh, in 3D. 
No, I'll, I'll or paint them after they've been printed. I'll, defi- I'll definitely uh, send you the inform- uh, his information and see where we're going. Because I actually was going to talk to him about... Uh, it was a surprise. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. It was going to be a surprise for a friend of mine who happens to have his own little demon OC. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to send him a figure of his character painted and everything. And obviously, uh, wow. dude, dude really likes his uh, character. So I'm going to say, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, a butt of mine has that available. So now not only do you have the first one ever, but now people are going to buy, you know, a three-printed version of this figure, and people are going to know about the figure. So uh, you're getting a free advertisement for your character there. Wow. He helped me out a lot. That's fancy. He helped me out a lot because uh, it was uh, randomly. I, I don't even know how we met at first. But basically, we uh, met on Discord. We met because of a, a game, actually, uh, Venus Blood. So uh, one of the games I want to make, coincidentally enough. So we met from that game server, and then we just kept talking and hanging and hanging out and just sending DMs. And uh, eventually, he ended up getting me uh, a quick gig doing uh, quality uh, QA for one of the visual novels that Jast USA put out. So your boy got some uh, QA credentials. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was QA for a visual novel. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> I can't really. Uh... I mean, like, considering that we want to do one eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it was ever fun. I mean, I'm dyslexic. So I warned him like, hey, uh, I'm I'm dyslexic. Uh, it, crazy thing, too. That's the thing that uh, I want to tell this story. So unfortunately, uh, that's the end of my week, by the way. Uh, just uh, moving on. He's asking me, so uh, do you happen to want to do QA for us? I'm like, I mean, sure. I mean, but why me, though? I'm like, oh, well, uh, our usual guys, uh, I think for context, we were talking about something in one of our chats that that we mutually share. So we probably saw that I'm fine with uh, gore or some edgy stuff because I personally, I'm not very a edgy person or edgy, uh, brutal person. So any media that has that, I kind of scoff at it. Like, okay, so you're just being dark for dark's sake and edgy because you think this is good writing, but whatever. So he might have seen me talk about some of that. So he probably knew that I'm kind of cool with it. It just, I, I'm not completely against it, but more scoff at it and yada yada for writing stuff, but whatever. So he asked me, uh, yeah, no, our normal QA guys, they, uh, they passed on this. So do you want to do it? He's like, yeah, sure. Just, uh, let me know what the project is. I'm going to go take a shower real quick. Uh, you let me know. And he's DMing me all this information. I come back from the shower, and it turns out he's sending me this freaking, um, if you guys know, it's uh, Inyochu. So he sends me this, and I'm thinking, dude, this was one of the first, like, Arrow OVAs that I watched when I was a ki- when I was younger. Like, this is what got me into porn OVAs. This is the Arrow anime. This is the hentai that I first watched. And you're going to have me QA the remake of the game dude what and he's i'm telling him right now you got to send me an nda right now send me i gotta sign this right now i want to get onto this right now so i'm thinking this is something crazy this is like because um obviously if you know uh the erotic anime side of things it's uh, a a very tentacle and monster based uh series so here I'm thinking that's the first thing I ever watched when I was, you know, getting into watching more of that. So that's a nice history for myself. That that's like tying it all back to my own journey. 
into uh oh, yeah into it so here i'm thinking i'm playing the game I'm, like I'm, I'm warning i'm like hey uh i dig this this is very important to me i'm gonna make sure i'm a little uh nervous because i, I don't know if i'm gonna be able to give you the cue in qa you know I'm like you're fine there's some things that they needed to finish up with the engine so we just need you right now to make sure that the script is good and to make and they're trying to get it on steam too and here i'm thinking in yochu on steam and you know he texts back yeah i know it's still worth a shot so here i'm thinking all right i don't know how you're gonna get this game on here so uh i did my damnedest to get it going and it, it took a bit i'm not gonna lie i'm not i read a, i've done a lot of reading but i don't mean i've taken i've read them fast i right i have a library of things that i have read and a lot that i haven't and the things that i haven't read the pros are harder and when I'm reading uh, this game, that it's supposed to be, you know, uh, in, it's an eroge, so it's a very erotic game. And you have characters talking about the modus operandi. Again, oh boy, here comes the big words. And now I actually use modus operandi a little more often now, because here I'm thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a. I'm I'm broadening my vocabulary by reading a porn game. Isn't that great? Oh yeah, let's say you know it's quality. <laughs> we're gonna break out the latin right and then he did the segs to her and then she segged really good is usually what you'd see in a game like this i mean you're only you know what you're playing these <laughs> things you know what you're playing these damn things in for you know what you're getting in for so when yes. you're surprised it's like the fate the fate games when you're contemplating the meaning of life and the nature of god followed by and then he fucked her real good right <laughs> <laughs> oh the I, and here I'm thinking I wanted to turn this episode into a, a bit of a character thing from the beginning. <laughs> and now it's more or less a, a discussion on various gal and uh, uh, erotic games. And well, we had the whole bit at the beginning about pricing yourself yeah, accordingly. Yeah. And we still uh, here we are still just shooting the shit and hanging out and uh, it. It, uh, showing the stuff, showing our stuff, uh, showing uh, what we know and the different experiences you have of these two uh, hosts. Indeed, indeed. Crazy enough, I actually do have a... I'm excited for future episodes. Yeah, I am too. Especially uh, to see when we announce if we're actually going to do that game. Because I'm, I'm... Because of a lot of circumstances, here I'm thinking, all right, let's get this going, let's get that going, let's get this going. A lot hasn't been... Uh, move forward, but a lot of plans have been done, and an idea of what to reach for some of these goals. Here's what I'm gonna do. So, uh, mm. I wanted to pick up some programming and some code because I want to be able to be, you know, multi-talented. I want to be able to say, you know, what, I'm gonna be, take a break from manufacturing for a bit and go into some computer science stuff. But then goes back to early conversation. You know, it's uh, well, if you say computer science. What in computer science? That's like talking to someone who's going into engineering and then you find out later they work in manufacturing. And like, well, what do you do in manufacturing? I was like, oh, I'm a maintenance technician. So I did technically study engineering. It's just I'm going under a different part of it. It's such a broad topic that you kind of confuse people when you tell them that's what you do. So here, right. I, so here I'm going into it thinking, all right, so I'm going to... Uh, what's the what's the optimal way to do some stuff? And understanding, back to the Brandon Sanderson uh, advice from an earlier episode, understand how you work. And I know for sure 
I'm not that if I'm going to read a book, it's going to take me a bit to read it and understand it. So I need to be able to get into it. So I'm getting down and I'm checking out all these videos and everything else and setting a game plan for myself. One of them was, oh, which is the first language you should learn? And it is it is crazy. You know, the Evangelion fight to this day over who's best girl, Ray or Asuka. And this is a much bigger conflict than World War II. Bro. And we all know it's Kawaru. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> this this is a war that's been raging for years to this day and the clear answer is on the side but you know th these two factions are fighting constantly this is how big of a conflict this is in this in the coding world in the uh computer language world it's which is the first language you should learn so i had a huge list of watch later on my youtube and i played them all so about a full week of which language should you learn first crazy enough uh, the more sensible people flat out admitted, okay, you guys are kind of, you guys don't know what you're doing at all. There's a difference between coding and programming. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, this is the guy that I listen to. This is the guy that says, if you get into engineering, what are you getting in for? Because they're, because engineering is just, you're making stuff. Manu so that, that I knew for sure I wasn't listening to this guy. So I'm listening to a bunch of these videos. And then when that guy shows up, he says, all right, so. Well, I'm going to break it down for you so that way you can actually get into this. So that way you don't quit because a lot of people get into it. They struggle and they don't see any growth or they don't uh, fail correctly and they end up deciding to leave. So I'm going to recommend that you learn Python and JavaScript first as your first programming, as your first uh, quote unquote uh, coding language. I'm trying to keep the. That's, yeah, that's a good choice. I'm trying to keep the rhetoric and all the things he's saying more broadly. So instead of bogging down with all the correct terminology, here's, oh, uh, yeah, I know what that is. I know what the thing is. Uh, and his reasoning was, okay, so even if the Python is just so you can get a feel for it, so that way you can understand syntax, and it's an easy syntax. But at the end, you might want to learn C, because all languages are apparently, you know, uh, or they originally uh, started as some form of C. So I, I'm not that far into any of this programming stuff. All I know is right. I want to start so that way I can make that game. Because eventually I need to get into C Sharp and C++. Because C++ is what Unreal Engine uses and C Sharp is what Unity uses. And both of those are very right. good engines. So it's good to have. Also, it just so happens my favorite franchise uh, happens to run on Unity. So, uh, Which yeah, one? That's, uh, Venus Blood. Oh, break into my heart. I, I actually really dig that series. It, it, I understand it's a porn game franchise, but it's great that the I mean, a good game is a good yeah, game. Yeah, a good man. game is a good game. <laughs> like, that's the, the best thing about it is we were talking about it in the, the Ninetale chat, and the director kind of came to the game as what stops people from coming, what stops people from playing it again, you know? If your you normal visual novels, you come in, you read it once or back to a, another topic earlier. It's like, oh, uh, do you like re-experiencing the same thing again or do you like new experiences? So in this case, do you like replaying the same visual novel over and over again? Or do you like playing one visual novel like 100 percent? Now I'm done. I'm never going to touch it again. And I'm playing like hundreds of them now. So uh, to tie it together, he figures what 
can I do to make this game replayable? What you know? What stops people? What you know, stops people from just buy like finding a full save of the CGs and then just watching all the loot scenes? You know, so a lot of the gameplay is around you building your army and getting team composition going while you're going through the story. Like player agency is really big in this series too. It's crazy. So you build your army how you want it. However it works, it works. If you can get through the story with it, good. If you don't, re rearrange your army and keep going. Uh, and Venus Blood feels, to me anyway, I need to play a lot more, where you're, I know a lot of the times it's, oh, your choices matter when it comes to storytelling, where it kind of doesn't. And ironically, your choices matter less in a visual novel because usually it's only the one or two major decisions you make that decide which branch you go into yeah. or like which route you go into. Luckily enough, Venus Blood actually gives you a little more agency to what you decide to do with the characters instead of the storyline. So that way it actually makes it feel like you're actually changing something and your decisions do kind of matter. So the story is written in a way to where you have the law route and the chaos route. What happens to the characters in either routes is up to you, but the storyline still continues in that route. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to make the main character a dick, he could be a dick in the law route. If you choose to make mm. if you choose to make him as close as a saint as you can in the chaos route, you can kind of do that. But if you're going to do that in chaos, you're kind of playing the wrong route. Right. The entire point of chaos is you're kind of a dick. And, OK, so you you uh, are inspired by this guy on YouTube or whatever to start Python and JavaScript as your main base language yeah. is. Do you know kind of like what direction you're going into in terms of learning how to develop your own visual novel, especially since you already know, like the stuff that inspires you like Venus Blood and uh, Ichio? I have an idea. I'm obviously going to read a lot more because uh, I have some books. I, I like collecting stuff, so I have a lot of knowledge. So <laughs> so much so that I have uh, I end up find I ended up finding a, a bunch of mega drives that have over, you know, three terabytes worth of art references, you know. I just <laughs> scooped that up and like, yoink, I'm going to, oh, more for my collection. And even my own personal collection has like four terabytes worth of shit. So I, I got a lot of information. So I have a bunch of game design books and uh, coding stuff and all this other uh, resources that I'm going to jump into. My first idea is I want to be able to get comfortable with Python and some programming. So uh, the guy had recommended saying, right, if you're going to follow a, do a tutorial, or I should say, don't make the same thing the tutorial is teaching you. So if they're mm. teaching you how to do X on a website, make Y. So an example being uh, he made a bot or a website that basically turned his Spotify playlist and downloaded them from YouTube. So it scanned his Spotify account and playlist and then found the YouTube videos on those songs and then he just downloaded them. Because he didn't want to pay for Spotify anymore. He was a broke college student. I'm not going to pay $8 or however much it is for Spotify a month for it. So he had it for <laughs> one month. And then he pro he developed this program to do that for him. So that way he wouldn't lose all the songs. So one project that for sure I want to make is a time clock for me. So effectively, because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but he, luckily Hero and I are on similar uh, time zones. We're in the same time zone effect. So whenever we say, oh, we, yeah. need to, we need to meet up at X time on X date, we don't got to worry about like, oh, well, uh, does he mean uh, his time or my time? It's No, 
uh, we're, we're lucky that we can just say, all right, meet up at 5 a.m. on whatever. Whereas I got a lot of buds that are international, so I need to keep track of all of these different time zones. And I happen to be one of those guys that buys a lot of Japanese merch on Booth. Uh, and, and it happens to be like a uh, like a web store type deal. And a lot of independent creators sell their stuff on Booth. Unfortunately, uh, so many people want certain artist things that they sell out really quickly. So I can't wake up one day and say, oh, sweet. It's the day of the thing that got released. Time to go check out this artist and everything sold out. Yay. Yo. So I'm constantly, I know that. Yeah, I'm constantly struggling <laughs> with, all right, what time does this thing happen? Like I need to cross-reference different uh, time zones and dates and all this other thing. So I'm just thinking, what if I just created a clock that says, I want to know what 2100 hours on April 3rd JP time is to me. Because that's basically what I had to do. I had to look up. All right, so what's twenty one? Uh, I knew what twenty. I know. I know military time, so I know twenty one hundred hours is um is nine. Or, no, mm-hmm. no, yeah. So I needed to. All right, so it's nine. I need to see. Uh, all right, so it's nine. It's nine their time. What nine for them is for my time, and then whether or not that day is actually that day for them, or if it's we're both on Saturday at that point. So. Uh, my first project is going to be a time cal- a time clock calculator in order to say, all right, if something goes on sale on January 1st, 6 p.m. Japanese time, what day is that for me and what time is that for me? So that way I can just boom, 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 and then set a reminder. So that way it's like, hey, dumbass, get up. That tapestry you want with the cute girl is now being uh, released. Do you want to miss out on that? She's in a really naughty pose. Do you want to miss out on that? It's one of the few artists that have their work uncensored for some reason. Because they're skirting the right. law, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a pleasant surprise whenever I'm getting a bunch of merch. And uh, I'm the kitty is, uh, there's no pixels down there. It's like, oh, that's, uh, you're not unplaying anything. Because a lot of clever JP artists will do the pose and uh, a lot of the, and set up the image. So that way they don't have to draw anything that they need to censor. And I actually really appreciate that. So that way, you know, it's not jarring where you have some artists are like, oh, here's a very provocative pose and there's nothing to hide except, you know, you're in Japan. So you have to censor that. So you you still see the the pixels covering up a bunch of stuff. Whereas some of them, I get a pleasant surprise. Like, oh, I thought you were just cleverly hiding that. I don't think I can hang this up now. (laughs) I can't (laughs) hang this up when the family's around. Uh, when they're visiting, it's like, all right, I got to swap out these tapestries. Just hang it on the back of your door, so whenever they open it. I can't it. now, because my niece, whenever she visits, she has this really bad habit of following me into the Cave of Wonders, which is what I call my room. Just so that way, you know, I ended up uh, yeah, doing a bunch of psychology shit when I was in school. So I'm telling her, I was like, oh, if I uh, implant into her mind, oh, this is the Cave of Wonders, she's going to be excited. I did that by mistake, and it's just habit now. So I realized, oh, wait. She thinks that's the Cave of Wonders, so she's going to go into that room no matter what. So if I leave the door slightly open, she's going to want to go in there. Yeah. And, and look at everything and be like, ah. Oh. Give me a quick second. I'm going to take a picture and show you what's on the back of my door. And y- you'll be the judge of why I kind of feel embarrassed whenever she comes in here and looks straight at the back of the door. Oh, man. This is going to be a... <laughs> uh, can, can you see why she's staring at the door? Ah, yeah. yeah uh, can you see why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 mommy. I can't. Nothing. 
nothing censored. They're like, no, 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 mommies. That's not something you should be looking at right now. Just flip it over. Yeah, I gotta or something put like, like every, that. It's hanging on a yeah, rope. It is. So every time she's over, and I, I flip it over. So luckily, it's not that. Actually, let me make sure that it is. Okay, so I just flipped it over right now, and yeah, it does work. It is. It is. Um, because the way a lot of tapestries are made, you can kind of. It's opaque. It, it, it's yeah. opaque, and it is still opaque, but you can't tell. You, you could obviously. I know what it is, so I can see it on the other end. So I know what what I'm supposed to be looking at, but. Uh, Anyone else can kind of get a vague idea. So she's clearly not going to get an idea of what it is. So uh, luckily I do turn it around when they're over. But uh, <laughs> your boy. Uh, yeah, no, your boy has plenty of those. And <laughs> oh, boy, do like I think I. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to move on. Like, I, I think my one of my prized possessions that I ha ended up luckily finding was uh, a life size tapestry of Liliana San. And uh, if you guys know who Liliana-san is, then you guys know who Aoi Nagisa is. I definitely dig a lot of Aoi Nagisa's uh, artwork. It's just, he only has two body types. Petite and very big titty. And he just draws those two body types. Nothing in the middle? Nothing in the Damn. middle. Like, we're talking, like, very large uh, motherly mammaries. And, I mean, they're very beautiful. And they're also... Uh, I think you can find uh, who Aoi Nagisa is, and you can understand why I'm uh, very attached to the characters of a more darker complexion. I get it. I'm looking at it now. I'm like, damn, bro. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> Liliana-san is fucking hot, and Annette is also very hot. And they're so... I have his uh, hardcover, full-color doujinshi collection, too. As soon as he put that on mm. sale, I'm thinking, yeah, no, I'm, I'm picking that up right now. That That's Liliana-san and Annette, full-color, hardcover, and that's basically a collection of all the doujinshi of them together. At first, I thought that there was another character that he drew that somehow he got the license for Yukikaze from the Taimonen series. And it's just like, oh, no, it's mm. just I happen to also have an OC that looks exactly like Yukikaze. So <laughs> we'll have to get into the same face. Uh, we have to type that in as well. We have to get into the topic of same face syndrome because, oh, boy, there's a lot of JP artists that I like. But damn, do they only have oh my God. they only have yeah. the one face and i'm gonna go on a all isekai have the same main character who has straight black hair and wields a black sword and wears either a navy blue or black jacket yeah uh, if we do the same face episode i'm gonna piss off all of the nasuverse fans when i talk about saber and you guys know you get ready for that boys you're gonna get it. No, everybody knows Saber has the same face as everybody else. Oh no, else. but it... he has he has two he has two faces he draws Saber and not Saber. Like those are the two. And even the not Saber looks like Saber. Yes, it yeah. does. Okay. But it also looks like it's not Saber. It's like Saber altered. Oh man, I I I I can respect Takauchi's artwork, but I do not like the majority of it. Even his older artwork that people like enjoy, I'm thinking, yeah, no, I could see where it evolves into everyone's saber. Even the characters that he's trying not to draw a saber are saber. And someone's giving me this cope, <laughs> but if you want to, I'm going to go, this is going to become a five hour podcast if I go into this. So I'm just going <laughs> to, that'll be a topic that I'm putting in the show. I'm putting it in the damn thing. Uh, I'm putting it in the topic stuff. There you go. And this is going to be a, that's going to be one that's going to be fucking long. I, I can promise you that if I don't end up cutting all the cutting out all the nonsense rambling of it, because it's just going to be rant instead of actual productive uh, conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, no, so I have that. I'll have to send you a I don't think it's even done. I, I'm looking at my uh, my art reference and I have Tony Taka 
as well. Like he has his own magazine dedicated. I love Tony Taka. Yeah, and I have his. That was when I. That's my first uh, Dojin artist I ever. Really? Found. Oh yeah. Oh man. So I have his uh, magazine series, but I go through it and I realize, man, <sighs> Tony, I respect your work. I do, bruh. But you have the same. But you got even the two faces you're known of still look alike. Yeah, that's true. They do. A, a friend of mine told me, he's like, hey, Tony Taka designed two ships for Azure Lane. I'm like, oh, really? And he sent me the images. I'm like, oh, that's the blonde girl from Fault. And that's the brunette girl from Fault. Which uh, I love Fault. Fault. So yeah. Good, and, and then uh, I think he also did for uh, Aoi no Mizu, something no Shizu. I can't remember. But uh, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a swimming club. That was the first one. Yep, that was the. Well, yeah, swimming club with heavy quotation marks because very little swimming is done. In yeah, that. yeah. That was actually the first. Uh, I saw the adaptation first, and then I got into. Uh, and that's how I found out about him. Yeah, me too. Same, same deal. Funny enough. And then I started looking at all his all yeah. work. Funny yeah. enough, the same director that did that OVA also did was the director for Spice and Wolf. So so many people are like, when are really? we going to see Holo's nipples? Like they were so excited for that. Oh, that's yeah. That okay. That makes sense because I was looking at Spice and Wolf once. And I'm like, this looks strangely like Tony Taka, and uh, it is. Yeah. He's it's the character a, designer, yeah. I think. So it's really, it's really interesting how uh, or um, the director and uh, I believe he also did some of the character design for it for the adaptation, I have to say. So it was. I definitely dig that type of. I don't know how how to describe that aesthetic, but I wish that that CG aesthetic. Yeah, kind what? of. I'm trying to describe it but it, it looks like everyone has more volume to it you know what i mean instead of mm. uh I, my my rhetoric and my entire being is failing at trying to describe it but more more like that quote-unquote swimming club less whatever we have now <laughs> uh but you have tony talk and he has I, i'm looking at his shining artwork for um i've never played any of the shining series but I do have uh, some figures from that series because I shop around. I'm in a couple. Uh, funny enough, I'm in another Discord that uh, sell that uh, everyone's posting their figures that they want to sell. And lo and behold, a lot of Tony Taka figures are cheap as hell for the Shining series, I should say. So people are like trying to get rid of so many of their Shining figure series. I'm thinking, well, why would they get rid of them? These look pretty good. And then I look at them, and there are times where I need to actually go back and see, did I buy this one, or is this one just in a slightly different pose? Because even the damn figures look the same. Ugh, same face. I Tony Taka, I love this dude. I respect his artwork. I have tapestries of his more uh, erotic work on my, uh, you know, in my collection. And here I'm thinking, I dig them. I do. Even when you give them elf ears, <laughs> elf ears it's still the same freaking girl. Ugh. <laughs> so there's a Twitter artist that I follow named Suna, uh -huh. who also has the same kind of deal going on. So his whole thing is that he uh, only draws elves. Uh -huh. Like, he, he never draws any human characters. He only draws elves. And he's got, like, that kind of same thing going on where a lot of his characters have similar faces. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all elves. So it's like, you know, same Tony Taka thing. Right. I really like his artwork, though. It's like, it's really good. Um, really polished. He's got himself a visual novel that just dropped. It's called Elfheim. It's on Steam. Um, chapter one dropped. Oh, I still need to check I've it out. Seen, it, I, I know who you're talking about. I've seen that. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think that is. I've been following him for a long I time. That artwork. Pretty good. I love his artwork. Yeah. I, I can, you know, I can. I think he's American. That's crazy, too. Like it, copying that aesthetic. Because, hey, who would have thought? Uh, 
insert thing is not just also a culture thing. It's also an aesthetic. So you can, in theory, copy it and have your own version of it. Yes. Anime is a medium, not a not a culture. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, to the point where it it's short for animation. You know, so many people. Oh, my God. I, I just don't want to get into it. Just I'm going to bring up someone that shouldn't. But anyway. Uh, so much good. Oh, man. We're getting ideas for future episodes that I'm just getting excited for now. Can, can you, can you, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at my shit. Well, we'll have to wrap this one yeah. up pretty soon. Though. Yeah, of course. Uh, got any, uh, got any uh, good ideas or uh, plans for the next week? So the next episode? Uh, just finish some commissions. Touch base with a couple of things. Um, check out that Fiverr business if I can get that going. Any... Um, and then seeing what you got going for the game, see what we got as far as the concept goes. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's about I'll, it. It's just kind of maintaining what I'm working on right okay, now. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'll definitely uh, opt to uh, write to myself to touch base with you on any uh, some bouncing bouncing ideas back and forth for the concept, just to see uh, what we want to do for that game. And then I'll send you the uh, commission stuff so that we can join in, post some of your stuff, shoot the shit with some of the people. And you know, see what's up. Because as soon as you jo- go join in and you see all of the uh, chats and all the artists that people are doing, you kind of you can get an. You're a smart dude, hero. I know you're gonna easily pick up on uh, <laughs> how you're able to uh, interact and get the most out of the commission chat. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have to make sure I remind myself and you about the base about the game and then the commissioner thing. For me to uh, doing my own little nano this week to make sure for sure, boom. The short story is going to get done. Make sure there's going to be the R, uh, V3, and it's going to be the introduction short to my character. And by the time this goes live, it should be on what I, I believe I'm probably going to put it on Wattpad or any other. Uh, I think it's a uh, Honey Sprout or bu- I, and not BuzzFeed, but it's something else. It's another uh, writing uh, platform. But hey, the more exposure and the more platforms you have, the more exposure you're going to have and the more people having eyes on you. So I'm not uh, opposed to putting it in a bunch of free places just to have people to read it. So hopefully by the time this drops, I'll have uh, it. everything sorted out, everything's golden, all the accounts going. I'll have – obviously this week is just going to be the short story actually being done, and then I'll worry about putting it somewhere to be read and critiqued afterwards. So hey, you can uh, – this will be the first example of people actually seeing content that I'm producing on the show and growing glad you're here now but instead of where you were back then type deal <laughs> i'm working my way through fighters of fear i'm almost done with the first short story man 30 pages feels like a hundred when you're going through old prose but I, i'm definitely going to finish this book before the end of the month and i just realized this is where i lost i lost my bookmark i was using a magic the gathering card as a bookmark but now i actually found the one that they uh, gave me on the back of the book so that's fun Finishing fighters, yeah. Finishing the nice. fighters of fear. Writing. I'm read. Uh, on my downtime, I'm gonna be reading fighters of fear just so I can get through it. On my time, I get home from work or when I first get up from work, I'm going to work on the short story. For the programming, I'm gonna be reading up on because I looked through some of my uh, resources. I believe I have some Python stuff, so I have to look through and gather all my Python uh, materials to put it into one folder. And slowly work my way through that. And then I'm also going to be using Freed Code Camp as a valuable resource to me. Because Freed Code Camp, 
I yes. tried using it before to do HTML, and then I believe they have a CSS. Yes, they do. I did both of those. It was really fun. Right. I got to JavaScript <laughs> and cried. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's like yeah. it's all math it's all logic and it's just it's really boring to me uh, i hate math and i believe they also have a c sharp i believe i'm i'm very fixated on unity right now simply because i'm biased to the venus blood stuff so it's like oh you know uh it, I, i'm doing the thing that i kind of knock other creators for it's like oh i'm being super hyper hyper tunnel vision into the one thing instead of trying to well, do you yep. know? Uh, here, I got a question for you. Do you Dischan know about uh, Dischan Media? I do not. So there, uh, it was originally just one guy. Eventually, he uh, got a team or whatever. But he did the uh, dysfunctional systems games. Um, I think there was one called Juniper, or whatever. Really, really stylish kind of uh, uh, visual novels going on here with like really good music and animation and stuff like that. Uh, he uses python and a engine for visual novels called uh Renpy. oh this dude he's the guy that's doing model um, arms oh yes I'm, that I'm guy playing... uh i think he switched yeah, to unity for that ass. one um but previously he was using uh yeah I, this game kicks ass. I mean there was a bunch of uh problems with the uh a little bit of backstory there was a issue with the music and they needed to basically just redo the entire OST to my understanding because the person that they originally hired for the music, um, I guess he was claiming copyright or something. It was a big, it was a big ordeal. So what ends up happening is they say, all right, so we're going to keep working on the game and we're going to have someone else. I think they switched to an internal guy that's going to do the music instead of uh, a contractor. So mm. that way they don't have this problem of, hey, we paid you to do the thing. Why are you claiming copyright thing that you're a contractor? Before or something, I don't know how that ended up happening, but uh, I have to dig down. But yeah, no, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I love yeah. that. Sometimes when we talk, we immediately understand. Like, oh, here's this obscure thing that we're talking about. I was like, yo, no, I, I completely know about this dude. This is cool. My arms is super cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been keeping an eye on it since because I got into him uh, back with dysfunctional systems, learning about him and like the giant Kickstarter he did for dysfunctional systems too. Ended up falling apart, and he had to pay everybody back out of pocket. It was wow. like two million dollars or something like that. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I believe he's using unity for Maho arms right now. Um, oh, it's on steam for early access. Cool. Or it's coming to steam for early access. I don't know if it's there right now. That's one of those games that I think he probably should have focused more on the combat side because I understand, like, I like the ludes. I'm not going to lie. There are times where I'm in the jazz server and, uh, I see an announcement for a game that they're going to release or whatever, or one of their partners had released her, or someone in the visual novel company scene is releasing an all ages visual novel. And I'm like, ill visual, ill or ill all ages. Give me the ludes. Yes. In Maho arms, it feels really tacked on that. You have that like erotic part to the game later. And it's just like a, a simulator. I'm like, but I want to do the cool sick ass DMC combos instead. Like I appreciate, I, I appreciate it. That's there. That, that is the primary part of the advertisement yeah. is all the combat and stuff yeah. like that. So I didn't even know it had ludes, much less a visual novel yeah. aspect. I suspected it considering well, it, it's a visual novel developer, but still. Yeah. I mean, it's more of like a, like a, it's like a Koikatsu party type deal where you kind of have different scenarios with the girl and in various positions and yada, yada. So it, it doesn't feel tacked on. It is a work in development when I, cause I played it when it first dropped. And then I played it. I played it with the original music, and then that part it, it wasn't tacked on, but you could tell that they're trying to make, you know, the combat the more 
uh, th- that they're focusing on that right. instead of the, the 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 naughtier bits. Which I mean, hey, still fun. It was neat. But here I'm thinking, all right, so can I do like sick DMCA combos while I'm doing the naughty bits, or is this just going to be a uh, a pose simulator? And here I'm thinking, all right, so I'm just going to X out of this, and we're going to go back to doing sick, cool DMC combos. Because like the game, like it is salt. It is fun. You know, if if you're a fan of uh, Musou games or Double May Cry or any of these character action games, Bayonetta, Near uh, Automata, Wonderful 101, yeah. Near Automata, so uh, you you definitely dig Maho Arms. Okay. It it's it's bit it is a bit to get the hang up, but once you got it, like hey, it's definitely fun. I really want to go back and play uh, Gravity Rush. You remember that? Yeah, I had a, I bought a Vita, and so many people were recommending me Gravity Rush, and I bought it after you know they discontinued the Vita. So here I'm thinking, wow, I kind of missed this underrated gem. Right. I don't know why people like. Okay, so it, the first one was really popular. Uh, I think it was a little bit too short for people's liking, and then Gravity Rush Two, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, it just did not do well at all. Which is a shame because it. Yeah, I kind of really see good. why it wouldn't do as good, but eh, that's just how the cookie crumbles. You yeah. got people that would rather drop and buy the new Neptunia game than give a chance to a more obscure title mm-hmm. like Gravity Rush. Oh yeah, I guess it, like but, it's not really mass appeal or anything like that either. Yeah, it is what it is. And with that, I gotta say, have a happy yeah, have a happy Easter by the time this fucking comes out. <laughs> uh, we hope you had a happy have, Easter. Yeah, we hope you had a happy Easter. We hope you enjoy your week. Uh, you'll be hearing from us again next week. And uh, slightly smarter, too. Indeed. Hopefully. And more focus. Maybe. For sure. More, more focus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, next, the next couple episodes, for sure, are going to be way more focused instead of uh, tangent upon tangent, trying to uh, make sense of this whole thing. To, to some people, there's, there's logic in this chaos, in this madness. Which is funny because I also just picked up uh, the complete Lovecraft uh, for the Cthulhu Tales, mm-hmm. so I have everything that H.P. Lovecraft ever wrote for the Mythos. Oh wow! I just grabbed that recently. So, <laughs> oh man, you have a good one, hero. We're gonna get that list going. We're gonna be super hyper mega focused, and uh, boom, get ready for a good, nice, and productive, and super totally not uh, tangent filled episode of the. The uncovered podcast. The uncovered canvas podcast. Yeah, fuck that up twice. <laughs> I fucked that up twice. <laughs> I'm like, wait, did we go? Because <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. Uh, we'll see you next time on the uncovered canvas podcast. There you Find go. out next time. On uncovered uh, pank podcast Z, the the uncovered the unco <laughs> the uncovered pancreas podcast. <laughs> the, it's like a, a unintentional tongue twister. It's like you dumbass. There's only three words. How do you mess this up? Uh, very very. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Y'all have a good night. <laughs>